This is Evermore Poe, the turbulent youth of Edgar Allan Poe. Chapter 47 Eddie was barely off the standard stoop when he began to blame the butler for turning him away. How dare he, he cursed. Eddie doubted Samuel would tell Jane or even Bobby that he had ever come to call. He made a mental note to come back again tomorrow with Robert's schoolwork. They'd have no choice but to let him in then. When Eddie reached the sidewalk, he stopped and looked back up at the mansion. A lace curtain appeared to move ever so slightly, or so he thought. If his assumptions were right, that was the master suite, Jane's bedroom. He trained his eyes and looked again. Movement behind the closed lace curtain, he was sure. He saw it now, or at least he thought he did, an hourglass figure camouflaged in the recess of the lace. He began to raise his hand to say hello, but whatever was back there faded into the shadows for good, leaving Eddie to wonder if he was imagining things after all. He turned to walk away one more time, but couldn't shake the feeling that he was being watched. The very next day, Eddie came back with Robert's schoolwork. He was sure the efforts would reward him with a welcome inside this time. It did not. Not to be deterred, Eddie came back the next day and the next. Bobby seems to have made it through the worst of it. Unfortunately, he is still not able to take guests, Samuel said. Perhaps another day. Eddie was insistent. And Jane? The lady of the house is not in, sir. Liar. Eddie mumbled to himself in such a way that Samuel couldn't possibly hear. He was growing more impatient with Samuel each day he stopped by, which was daily thanks to the standard's proximity to the seminary. But when Mr. Burke decided to stop school altogether until the virus passed, it was no longer convenient to stop by the standard home. Eddie's patience was wearing thin. He braved the hill on a wintry day one last time to call. It ended quickly and poorly with peonies discarded in the bushes and a box hedge kicked beyond recognition. Eddie sulked away, cursing, Goddamn lion bootlicker. He was still in a foul mood by the time he reached home. Your pa wants to see you, Edgar, Aunt Nancy said. The tone of her voice said it wasn't good. He knocked on the parlor door. You wanted to see me, sir? Uh, uh, oh, yes, my boy, John Allen grunted. Come in, have a seat. John Allen put down his pen and looked at his foster son. (sighs) Eddie, I'm going to ask you something, and I want the truth now. The whole truth. Is that understood? Uh, Yes, of course, sir. Eddie was nervous. I have a colleague who lives in Court End, Gray Street, to be exact. Eddie began to shuffle his feet. This gentleman has been working from home due to the canal fever, and he says you've been calling at the home next door the standards, and you've got flowers. Is this true? Eddie looked down. Well, I go to check in on my little friend Bobby, yes. No, this appears to be something of a scandalous nature. Eddie was silent, which to John spoke volumes. Well, so it seems. And so began John Allen's speech. By now, Eddie had become quite good at tuning out the rants of his foster father. He would be here a while. I'm important in this city, and I won't have you embarrassing me. Here we go, Eddie thought. It's always about you and your reputation, blah, 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 Eddie said to himself. 
If only you were out of the picture, Juliet would still be here. Ma wouldn't be so sad. You wouldn't be spending all this money on other people. If only... In a split second, Eddie lunged for the steel quill pen that lay atop the desk and hurled himself upon his foster father. With a crash, they landed on the office floor, a canopy of flying papers raining down all around them. A look of shock on John Allen's face. Fueled by fury, Eddie raised the steel-pointed pen and came down hard, piercing the man's eye socket. He raised his hand and repeated the action again and again and again. Indigo tears streamed down from John's cheeks before they turned a crimson red. This is for Ma. This is for all those beatings. This is for bloody social appearances. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. And still it wasn't enough. Eddie grabbed a nearby paperweight and went to work again, this time destroying what remained to be humanly recognizable. Each blow to the man's skull became easier. Each blow released the pain. Each blow gave Eddie strength. Eventually, the thud of the crushed skull gave way to a soft and wet slapping sound. He'd been going at it for some time when he stopped to look around the room. Pools of ink, blood, and glistening fragments of flesh were strewn about. They lie on the carpet and the walls and all over Eddie's once white shirt. Still straddling his victim's lifeless body, Eddie looked down. Matted hair clung to what was left of John Allen's skull, now a concave bowl rimmed with matted hair and filled with a gelatinous red muck. Edgar! John's words shook him back into reality. Are you even listening to me? Suddenly, Eddie was back in the oppressive green study with his crisp piles of white paper on the desk, the pen and the paperweight neatly resting untouched in their place where they had been the whole time. The clock in the hall seemingly ticked louder than before. Edgar! John Allen was irritated. I'm talking to you, boy. Snap out of whatever fantasy you're in, and for the love of God, wipe that ridiculous smile off your face. Evermore Poe is the historical account of a teenaged Edgar Allan Poe. If you'd like to learn more about Eddie's devolution to become the master of the macabre, please don't forget to follow and share this podcast. Evermore Poe was researched, written, produced, and edited by yours truly, journalist Chris Kosach. I began my research more than a decade ago using vetted journalistic methods with corroborated fact-checking from respected sources including the Library of Congress, periodicals obtained from multiple Poe museums, notable scholars and the National Archives, among other collections, strung together in a narrative style. In other words, my story is mostly true. Our music today is from Esther Abrami. It should be noted that some of the characters in Evermore Poe are composites of real people, including servants and slaves who lived in the Allen home at the time of our story. Please note, while Evermore Poe is based on fact, it should not be confused with the historic record. For that, I hope you will go down your own rabbit hole to research one of the most thrilling American authors of all time. Our story continues again next time on Evermore Poe. Until then, I'm Chris Kosach. Thank you for listening.